Welcome to the Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Your host, Sue Meyer, is a Catholic wife and homeschool mom of 11. She shares her knowledge of the study of natural alternative medicine with you. While this show is not intended to diagnose or name any disease, through her experience, Sue will share helpful information to help you further your study into the amazing world of homeopathy. And now, here's your host, Sue Meyer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Homeopathy for Mommies. I'm Sue Meyer, and today we're back with our, one of our favorite guests, Dr. Carol Phillips. She's a chiropractor, and she does cranial sacral uh, myofascial unwinding. She's trained around the world. She has, um, you know what, Dr. Carol, um, anyone who's listened to us before, it, they can go back and listen to our other podcasts, but I don't even actually know all your credentials. <laughs> I don't have them written down in front of me here. <laughs> so let's just say I'm just a chiropractor. <laughs> Not just, I'm a chiropractor. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. My, my son-in-law is um, doing his clinicals right now and he's, you know, he's through his school, he's got all his testing and everything in, and he's so excited to get started. And, but it's, it's really a, a, a for like for him right now at this point of all after all the school and everything it's it's really hard to get established and feel confident in your work and I told him I says oh my gosh buddy I says you're gonna do great because he's such a natural but like the other day I fell down the stairs didn't fall I crunched my toe underneath me because I was walking sideways (laughs) I know I know see that's probably why I come up with the idea of let's discuss torsion because I was walking down I had I have it right I had one two-gallon bucket in front of me, one two-gallon bucket behind me, and I'm walking down these really, really steep old house stairs, and my toe fold, my foot folded underneath me, and my one toe, I felt it crunch. And all day long, I'm like, okay, I don't know if it's broken. It hurts so bad. I didn't know if it was broken or if it was, um, you know, if I had just jammed it good. I didn't know, but being as though I heard it crunch, I didn't hold out much hope for it. And so then later that day, I was able to go see my son-in-law, who is, like I said, not officially a chiropractor yet but he's finished all his work and he's so he played with a little bit he's got a little tuning fork out and he says I'm pretty sure it's not broken he says but let me maneuver this a little bit and then he popped it and it and it had been just jammed really good and I'm like oh thank you (laughs) I said normally I could do that to somebody else but for myself I just I don't know (laughs) just wasn't that's the beauty of what we do so many times it's just that fast, you know, it's not really broken, but if it stayed jammed like that, you would hurt for months. Right. And then the bottom would compensate and the foot would feel better, but then the knee would start hurting. Then you you think you're a hypochondriac because you didn't do anything to your knee and then your knee gets better. And now your hip hurts and you're like, what is wrong? Right. <laughs> and you don't, you totally forget about the toe months ago. As yep. your body compensates and compensates and to be able to go to your son and have him realign that bone so that the body didn't have to compensate and compensate for it. Right. But right. you still have that torsion. I'd say when, as a doctor, I, you say, I have a, I had a bucket behind me and a bucket in front of me and I was going down sideways. You were straight. You were facing sideways instead of, turning around where you were holding one behind you and one in front of you, but you were walking straight down the stairs. Look right. at the torsion that would put in your body with one arm behind and one arm in front. Then you would have long-term problems of right. the whole body 
being twisted. So you were really smart to be walking sideways <laughs> and only, only uh, bend your toe and not twist your whole body. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't know how I didn't face plant into the cement wall at the bottom of the steps either. I, my daughter's like guardian angels, mom. And I'm like, exactly. <laughs> But so you fell, you actually fell. No, I didn't fall. I, I don't know how I didn't fall. It was a miracle because, oh. you know, the pain was so extreme when it happened. I, I just, I, I actually envisioned myself face planting into that cement wall, but I didn't. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God. thank you, Lord. <laughs> but that's why we're, I wanted to talk about this because when um, I do cranial sacral work with people, a lot of people know what cranial sacral work is but they don't understand like the torsion, the myofascial unwinding that you do. So I wanted to have you explain that to our listeners today. What is that? And kind of how do you came up with it? Uh, I know we touched on it before in one of our podcasts, but I want, I'd really like you to explain it in more detail today. Yeah. Well, when you said that and you asked me to talk about that, um, of course I went personal and I, I don't know, I can't remember if we've talked about my own personal journey toward chiropractic. Um, but when we talk about torsion, I have to go back and, um, and just personally talk about how when I was uh, ready to be born, my mom went into labor, but I didn't get out. I couldn't get out. And they induced her and they tried to help by, you know induction. Uh, 26 hours later, she just said, I can't do this. I cannot do this. So they put her to sleep and they went in with forceps only to find my feet that I was breached and they didn't know it. That's eh, wow. 70 something years ago. Oh and so they used forceps pulling my legs to, to get my body out. And uh, when my mom came out in recovery, the doctor came in and laughed and he said, you'd never gotten that kid out. She was totally footling breach and locked inside you. We had to really pull to get her out. So then I cried and I cried oh. and I cried. So when I was two weeks old, the story is they went in and x-rayed and uh, I don't know how they saw it on x-ray, but told my mom that I was internally bruised throughout my body. Oh, so it must've been a pretty difficult delivery trying to pull me out with forceps. And then uh, as I grew, I had migraines. When I was four, they hospitalized me to see if they could figure out why I was having these uh, chronic migraines and they couldn't see a real reason for it. So they decided that I had, that I was allergic to the sun because we lived in New Mexico and I couldn't tolerate the sun bouncing off the sidewalk, which now I know is um, a matter of my brainstem being compressed at the top vertebra, the atlas. So it was causing my eyes to stay dilated. So I was taking in too much light, but they didn't know that wow. then. They said I was allergic to the sun. So no sports. I'm in New Mexico, right? <laughs> so I grew up, maybe that's a good thing, no sports. And, uh, but suffering from uh, the sun being too bright all the time. And then when I was 19, uh, still having migraines, they, I was going to get married, very stressed about getting married. Um, and, I started blacking out. I would have periods where I would have the migraine, but I would pass out. So they hospitalized me again. And I also at the time had really big eyes, bugged out eyes. And um, they, they couldn't find a reason for the migraines or the passing out. So they said I had um, just 
a lot of fat build up behind my, behind my eyes, making my eyes bulge out. And that was causing the migraines and the wow. passing out. So I get married and I'm very stressed. Military wife, you know, 19 years old, uh, just a lot of stress. And I, um, I had chronic, chronic migraines. And now I started having back pain. And then I was pregnant at 20. Uh, very tough, tough pregnancy. I um, lost 30 pounds the first three months. I um, almost miscarried. At one point, they just said, go home. If you miscarry, you miscarry. There was nothing they could do about it. And, uh, and then started having contractions when I was six months and contracted all the way to the end. Very fast, very painful delivery that ended up being forced with my daughter. And then the second one, I got pregnant immediately after, well, three months later, and I was on complete bed rest and having um, premature contractions from the fourth month on. So every three to five minutes, so I was on complete bed rest and I was being injected with DES, which is a drug they now oh. have taken off the market. Wow. And um, it didn't stop the contractions, but they kept injecting me. And then she was delivered in like three contractions after they broke my water. Oh, my goodness. So I continued having migraines and migraines and back pain. So they thought, and then I had menstrual problems. I didn't have periods. So they thought, well, we'll take care of that. We'll just do a hysterectomy because you shouldn't have any more kids. So at like 29, I end up with a hysterectomy. That's going to wow. cure my back pain. you know. But it wow. didn't. Finally, um, my daughter, who was helped with chiropractic, cured her condition. Um, I started seeing him. And that was the, that's what resolved my migraines. I would still get them, um, but I could get adjusted, but I had to be adjusted like every week. And then um, I was taking a cranial sacral class with an osteopath and, and just learning some basic cranial. And um, this is after I've been getting adjusted maybe two or three years, but it worked for me. It stopped the migraines as long as I was adjusted every single week, but I couldn't hold an adjustment. So during this class, she used me as a demo and she was holding the top of my head, the parietal to demonstrate a parietal release. And as she tractioned on the top of my head, my legs started moving. It was bizarre and embarrassing. I had no control over my legs. They twisted and they turned. But in my mind's eye, I could see and feel the forceps and the doctors twisting my body to try to get me out. It was a very wow. uncomfortable at the time, not uncomfortable in pain, just embarrassing to be in front of people and not be able to control my body. So she sent everybody away to practice and just let me unwind, as she called it. And I twisted and turned and when it it came up to my neck, I um, was able to stop and I stopped and I was able to get up and, and then she brought the class back and I sat down and I was so humiliated. And she said, uh, it's a small circle, you know, of people and we're all sitting in chairs as she continued her lecture. And she said, don't pay any attention to Carol. She'll probably continue unwinding. So wow. I um, was sitting when all of a sudden my head 
began to rotate with my chin toward the ceiling, it felt like I was going to rip all the muscles in my neck out. And I'm mortified. <sighs> and uh, my chin goes up and then my chin started coming down and going the other way. And it was where they had taken my body and twisted to get my uh, arms out and my head out and then twisted the other way. I know now with your breach, if they pull your legs, you extend your body, you, you like do a back bend, right? It's the way your body. Well, then the cervix closes around the neck. Once the body comes out, it closes again. Now you have to use the body to reopen the cervix with your jaw and your head. So it, it reverses the way a baby's head should be molding. I know that now. Right. But then as my neck is rotating, I'm just mortified. And the <laughs> guy next starts laughing really hard. He goes, I am sorry, but that is the craziest thing I've ever seen. And I can't control it, but I could also feel my teeth cracking. You know, like I didn't have teeth back then. And, and it's pulling so hard and nobody's touching me, but my body's recreating what happened there. Wow. And, um, and then when, once my chin came back down, I bolted, I'm out of the room, I'm in the parking lot and I'm pacing, <laughs> I'm not going back in that room. And I thought, I'm never going to have radio work on me again. Um, and I continued working on other people, but I didn't let anybody work on me. Um, but I, I know that I felt everything that was happening. And then some like six years later, I'm in a class where I'm learning again, Upledger, and I had a lot of my students there at the time. And I was always having my students assist me in practice because I was teaching at a college. They were my externs and they were, you know, so I was teaching them and they were helping me work with clients. So he wants at the end of the class, the instructor goes, I need uh, an assistant. And I said, I'll help you. Because I always had my kids, my students assisting me. He goes, okay, get on the table. And I said, oh, no, 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 I, I'm not getting on the table. Yeah, get on the table. No, that's fine. I'll help you. You know, I'm not getting on the table. Get on the table. Like, oh, 40 people in the room. Uh, and I get on the table and he reached over and touched my knee. And I went right back to where I had stopped it, where my head was trying to come out. And oh I ended up having to recreate um, getting my head out. And my hands, they said my hands turned into a claw and purple. Um, and I uh. quit breathing. I just felt at peace. I felt like I don't need to breathe because I, at the time in utero, I still had the umbilical cord and my body recreated that. Oh so they're goodness. going, are you okay, Carol? Are you okay? And then I start shaking really hard and I'm inside. My mind is saying, I'm fine. I'm fine. But I can't say anything. And he sent everybody away. And I proceeded to work through getting one arm out and getting the other arm out and recreating. I could feel my cranial plates go out. And I felt everything that happened to me in utero. And I think I had to go through that so that I would allow babies to recreate their birth or adults, anyone I had to feel it in myself. It didn't hurt me. Um, it was embarrassing, but he had sent everyone away. But I had to redo that touring. And then afterwards, I, I, I thought, why did I have to go through that? Why? I mean, I'm not having migraines anymore as long as I get adjusted. 
And then it was about a year later when I went, mm, when was the last time I was adjusted? When wow. was the last time I had a migraine and needed to be adjusted? And it had been about a year. And then I realized that by recreating the torsion and, and correcting it, uh, my atlas never went out again. You know, it wasn't, there was no more pressure on my brainstem torsion in my body and pulling my atlas against my brainstem because I had unwound that myself just by someone initiating or facilitating, we call it the release. Now, go forward many years. And I was lecturing in um, Florida. My mom lives in Florida. So I picked her up and I took her to the conference. And and I thought, well, you can listen to me lecture. It's about cranial work. She understood pretty much what I did as a chiropractor, but not so much about the cranial piece. So she's listening to me lecture about torsion and about the cranium and, and the muscles of the body that can get twisted and tight. And after the seminar, she comes up and says, gee whiz, you think that bus accident I was in when, when I was pregnant with you caused oh. you to go breach? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I said, what bus accident? I never heard that story. <laughs> and she said, oh, it was Christmas Day. We were in a bus coming from Ohio on the way to New Mexico. And um, she was six months pregnant with me. And my brother was like three months old. We're like 11 days apart. So he was about three months old, I think. And she said she decided rather than holding him in her arms that she would take him back and lay him on the seat, an empty seat in the back of the bus. And when she laid him down, my dad said, well, if you're going to do that, read that exit sign. Make sure you can open that exit door if anything happens, which she did. Mom's all of four foot 11. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) she went back and she sat down. And no sooner had she sat down in her seat when the bus went into a skid. It's Ohio on Christmas Day, snow and ice. The bus, she said, went into a spin. It spun and centrifugal force pushed her back against the seat. And she said the bus spun and spun and then flipped end over end and then caught on fire. Oh, my gosh. When it it landed on its um, side... And everyone was back by the exit door, but they couldn't get it open. She pushed her way through and opened the exit door. And then everyone had to jump out of this burning bus. <gasps> and baby, where's my baby? And my dad, my dad picked up my brother, Greg, because he wasn't comfortable with him being just laying on that seat. So he had him oh. in his arms. But then they, everyone was trying to, you know, get out and watch the, bur- the bus burn. And my mom was, where's my baby? Where's my baby? And she found finally my husband, my husband, her husband, my dad, with Greg in his arms. And they were saying, oh, thank God we're all all right. We're all all right. Thank God we're all all right. Wow. And then the farmers, farmers came out, took the people into their homes until they could get another bus. And they took my mom to the doctors and he said, well, you're fine. The baby's fine. That was the end of it. They never, never thought much more about it until she heard me lecture about torsion. And it made her think about that centrifugal force and, and thought about me six months in utero, tethered to an umbilical cord, to a placenta. And I had to have spun inside that water, you know, in the amniotic Mm -hmm. sac. 
And what did that do to my cord? Wrapping me, you know, in that cord. Well, no wonder I couldn't get out. And no wonder, you know, I ended up feet first. The twist was in her body, which put a twist in her uterus, which made me, you know, I had to put my feet down just to fit in there. And the cord wrapped around me. So when they pulled with the forceps, they had to do a lot of twisting and turning to get me out of her very tight, twisted pelvis. Oh, my goodness. And so when she said, do you think that had something to do? <laughs> like, Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, I do think, you know, whenever someone says, do you think you go? Yeah, it is. And so look at the long, long term effects it had on me. Um, that one moment in time, that one bus accident. And because she was fine, everyone was fine, nothing was broken, you say, it's all good. Wow. Well, the baby's not good. You know, right. the baby's not good. And um, if it weren't for the chiropractic and then cranial sacral, and that's why I became so devoted to cranial sacral, married to chiropractic, because sometimes you can adjust and make a big difference. But if there's torsion, it's going to keep going out of alignment and going out of alignment because the muscles of the body are going to pull it back out. Right. So I spent 30 years, you know, teaching chiropractors that if you're adjusting somebody over and over and over again, you're missing the fact that muscles do not move on their own. Something is pulling them out of alignment. You can put them back in alignment and help them for a week. Or you can uh, you can do massage and they're great for a week. You know you yeah. can do things, but if it keeps coming back and keeps coming back, there's torsion in the muscles pulling the bone out of alignment, or or you know, right keeping things from lining up the way that they should. Right. So that's um. why we incorporate the uh, myo, which means muscle fascia, which is the membrane coating the muscle, myofascial unwinding with adjustments, and then the adjustments hold. The massage is good for a long term, you know. Right. So, right. There you go. You got the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's an amazing story. Well, I, one of the other things that I've noticed is when people come in, uh, okay, like they've had repetitive jobs, and they come in and I always have them kind of step it out in front of me because I just want and then I ask them to close their eyes so I can see how they're standing. I actually had a, you talk about a pregnant woman one time. She was standing in front of me and I says, OK, you can stand straight. Just just stand relaxed and stand straight. She goes, I am. But her eyes were still closed. And I said, OK, <laughs> she actually. <laughs> straight. Yeah, she thought she was straight. She actually had a, her. Well, you can visibly see one hip was higher than the other, her toe on the other foot. So I can't remember exactly. And the other toe was, she was actually standing on her toe rather than flat footed and her whole upper body was twisted and her one shoulder was up and the one hand was out in front of her and she was just completely twisted. And, and she was, I can't remember, like seven months along. And I will say that she had a very difficult delivery. We, um, she did go start going to the chiropractor. She did get adjusted. We worked on her pretty much weekly until the baby was born. And she did have trouble even at, at birth because he got stuck um, because her hips are so she had come to find out. She, I think it was her second child. Um, the nurse, when they, they tried, wanted to put her, her knees were up, she's laying flat on her back. And the, the nurse said, you need to open, you know, open up that, 
pelvic area. She got up on her knee and jumped down on her knee and the hip popped out Can you, okay. uh, and during delivery. <laughs> so from that point on, obviously she always had problems with her hip and it's like, Oh my goodness. So how do you go about, you know, repairing something like that when that, that, that damage was so extensive at that critical time and, you know, at delivery. And, um, so she has, she's, you know, like I said, it, it's something she gets worked on all the time and it, it doesn't ever seem to get, um, hundred percent better. She always has issues because the damage was very, um, very bad, but yeah, everything matters. Um, you know, I know when I took my class with you, you were telling us you had so many wonderful stories about the different things that can cause, you know, that type of torsion. And obviously um, in utero is the biggest factor as far as like long-term, but what other kind of things can, like if someone has never had a problem and then all of a sudden they start to notice that they have a hip out of whack or a knee or, you know, what are some of the things that we don't really think about as, like you said, long-term injury, like my going down the stairs. Can you give us a couple of examples? Yeah, well, you know, back when I first started practicing, I I kept very careful records of over a thousand women, and I wanted to know their history to see if I could figure out what is the most common things that are causing this torsion. So I would ask about their life, but I would also ask about every delivery they had, and was it a difficult delivery or not, you know, based on my history. Right. And um, what I found is the every single woman that had a car accident with a fender bender, except for one, uh, even a fender bender, every one of them had a long, difficult labor. And um, so the three things that showed up repeatedly, but the most was car accidents, but was horseback. If they did a Western saddle, if they went, if they rode horses and went off the the side, you know, Western saddle will throw you off and your foot's caught in the, in the stirrup and falling down the stairs where you reach for a railing, you know, to stop and you lock that torsion in. So those are my big three. But when I was asking about uh, cracks, I started asking every one of them, tell me every single, even if it was just a fender bender, um, if you had a car accident. And then I asked, where were you seated in the car? And, um, because some research had come out about seat belts, the three-point harness, our pelvis and our shoulder. And I've probably talked about this already, but um, how that harness on one shoulder doesn't support the other shoulder. So on impact, depending on where the car is hit, your free shoulder goes wrapping around that harness. And anytime you have a torsional injury where something is holding you down, you're going to have that twist lock in your body. So if you have, uh, if you do not wear your seatbelt, you're going to go flying through the windshield and maybe killed on the outside of the car, right? Or, <laughs> or fly into the window. Not a good thing. But if you have the three-point harness on, it's going to hold you back. It's going to pull you back. But the free shoulder is going to go flying around that harness. Now, if you were the driver and you are hit from the driver's side, your harness is on that side, on your left shoulder. So you're not going to torque very far. But if you're hit from the right and you're the driver, the force of that car, the weight of the car, you know, it's just physics. Right. That energy is going to keep coming. That right free shoulder is going to wrap around that harness and put that torque in your body because your pelvis is not going anywhere due to the lap belt. Your right. left shoulder is not going anywhere. And so you put that torque.
torque in there. Now the the axle's bent, the car is totaled, but you're fine. You're fine, you know, and then you become right. a hypochondriac. You know, this hurts <laughs> and that hurts. Now, today's world, what's even worse now, I have to say, did your airbag deploy? Because if you hit in the front and your airbag deploys, you not only have the torque of the shoulder, but you have the impact of the airbag in your face oh. and in your shoulder. So it keeps that torque, that twist from uh, not, not quite as much, but it slams into your cranial bones, your face. So you not right. only get the toxin that's released, but then I have to ask, did you see it coming? Did you see? Because if they were looking and it's a head on and there's nothing they can do, they turn away. So your oh. head is turned and on impact, that airbag slams your cranial bones into a torsion pattern with your body. If you're looking up in the um, the mirror, you know, and somebody's yeah. coming behind you, you turn away or something and it puts yeah. that torsion in there. Oh, my gosh. So that. Even more so now we have a side airbag and a front airbag. So you're getting slammed from two directions, you know, plus the car that's hitting you. And people do, they're told, well, you're fine. You didn't break anything. The airbag protected you. Your seatbelt protected you. And you don't realize that within two years that your insurance company wants you to settle because they know it's going to take about two years for the organs to begin to fail to, you know, for the the problems to really show up as your body compensates and compensates and compensates. And, you know, race car drivers, they've now understood that after losing race cars, uh, drivers hitting the wall or something. So the race car driver now has a five point harness holding both shoulders and their pelvis and their chest and their helmet is hooked to the seat to a rod iron thing. So, they can't go anywhere. They can hit the wall at 200 miles an hour. They can flip their car, but they wow. can survive because they keep their body from going into any kind of torsion. But what do we as consumers of cars, you know, today, Right. we have a three-point harness. We have airbags. We are going to keep from flying out of the car. So back to when I was um, asking over a thousand women, getting histories and finding that every single one that it had car accidents had long, difficult labors, except one woman. She had um, seven children, four car accidents, and no problem having those seven kids. No problem. I'm like, really? So the first, you know, tell me the first accident, I went into a ditch. The second accident, I flew through the windshield. And I'm like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. didn't you have your seatbelt on? And she said, oh, no, no, I never wear a seatbelt. Because the first accident, yeah, the first accident when she went to the ditch, the engine of the car was a deep ditch. The engine was up in the front seat and she was pinned. And they said, had she, um, uh, what was it that the car caught on fire. That's what it was. And she would not have been able to get out because of the seatbelt. So she was afraid of seatbelts. So the second time she flew through the windshield, Wow! <laughs> seven accidents, woman is prone and, uh, and yet no problem having her babies because she didn't have a seatbelt on. Oh my God. Um, could have got herself killed seven different times, but she sure. didn't. But, 
And I realized, okay, and that's when I began to put it together. It's like, oh, <laughs> she didn't fit the model. She didn't have the seatbelt on. Oh, my goodness. So I, I encourage people, you know, if you have even a five mile an hour, they look at physics and say five miles an hour can be worse than 90 miles an hour because the energy will keep going at a fast pace at 90 miles an hour. But if you're sitting still and the car hits you from behind because they didn't see you were stopped and you're at a stoplight, it will shove your car into the intersection. All that force, the um, physics of the weight of the car, the speed at which it's moving, everything locks into you. It doesn't go through you. If you're hit on the freeway, you're going 60 miles an hour and they're going 60 miles an hour. That energy will go right through you and keep going. Oh, my gosh. Less less of an injury than five miles an hour or or if you're stuck and they're coming, that's the worst. And that's when people think, well, I just got rear-ended, you know? Right. (laughs) But if the car goes into a spin... That's what I need to know. If the car goes into a spin, their body's in a spin as while they're in that torque position, their body spins. And, oh. you know, when we talk about torsion and we ask these injuries, today's world, our children, girls and boys are doing sports where um, they are so twisted, torqued, they're playing um, lacrosse, right. waving sticks, hitting each other with sticks. Five kids will pile on to this one person, you know, to get that ball. And they go down with five kids on them while they're twisted. And unfortunately, what I found, but I didn't know lacrosse till I went to practice on the East Coast. The girls aren't allowed to wear any kind of padding because they don't want them to make contact where the boys are are totally padded up. Um, But the girls still make contact. They play like guys, you know, and they do make contact and they do hit the ground torqued but I had one boy come in his dad brought me in and he brought me a video totally padded up helmet pads everywhere he goes here's what happened to him I was filming it and the whole team like they went after he went down they all went on top of him my kid was so messed up even with all his but the torsion his body was in trying to hit with a stick up in the air, you know, for the lacrosse stick. And he's twisted and he's looking back so that he can catch the ball when he gets hit by five different kids or more and goes down in that twisted position. And they think, well, he's padded. He should be okay. Mm, No, he's not okay. But our women, uh uh-huh, our girls, I mean, the guys aren't trying to bring babies through there. And our girls are playing football, soccer, um, lacrosse hockey they're doing all the sports that the boys do and then they try to have a baby and they can't get them out of their body you know and that's why they're not we're not meant to do those type of sports right as women then have babies and those women who say oh i never did anything i never played any sports i never did anything and my babies just fall out (laughs) (laughs) right Uh, does that include does that include weightlifting is there an issue with weightlifting when it comes for women um, it depends on, um, if they're, if they're really balanced when they're doing their weightlifting, but okay. women should never weightlift, uh, and have a baby. Um, so you stop before you get pregnant. You do not do it during pregnancy. And the big mistake that women think is if I have a really strong muscles, I can really push this baby out. And they don't realize 
they're making really strong pelvic floor muscles and the baby can't get through those muscles. Okay. And today women are doing these um, athletic things that they think they're making themselves really strong. And they have, unfortunately, doctors saying, well, if you did it before you were pregnant, you can do it while you're pregnant. No, you can't. Right. You know, and they're doing one. I, I Someone in class said, well, what do you think about burpees? And I said, well, what's a burpee? And then oh, they yeah. got up and showed like a squat have jump you seen you're a jumping? Yes, I think that's what we used to call squat jumps. You what, know, with your they, hands behind your head and then you squat down up? and you jump up and put your arms up, squat no, jump. No, no. this is forward into a push-up. So you go from standing, oh. you're pregnant, you go forward, do a push-up and jump back up. And then oh you jump back down, do a push-up and you jump back up. Wow. It's called a burpee. Well, here's okay. a baby tethered inside yeah, that little belly as you throw it toward the floor and you push up and then you jump up and what are you doing to that baby as you're throwing it around and people don't don't have right. that that understanding that the baby is tethered inside there to a cord tethered to the to the placenta which you can pull away from the wall with that kind of force right. and you're and the baby can get wrapped in the cord and oh I just yep. about died but yeah this, some of this <laughs> Okay. I'm like, oh my goodness. And then they wonder why they still have a terrible birth and a C-section and they right. thought they were so fit. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. That yeah. is, that's incredible. No, I know. That's like, you know, you, you can't, well, you can't fix. Um, yep. <laughs> well, I, you know, like, we, yeah, we, we use homeopathy for so many different things, but when it comes right down to it, um, you know, like just for, for simple things, like, like, you know, migraines, I would have been able, I would have been, you know, um, someone would have come to me and in, in my homeopathic setting and said, I have migraines or I have this or that I would throw remedies at them. You know, I'd take their case and I'd give them a remedy, but at the same time, this is what I keep telling people. And this is why I think it's so important to have guests like you on here so that people understand there's just no one quick fix it for everything. You have to actually take care of yourself. And if you have had an injury, you know, um, I don't, I've, I've been to a chiropractor, I don't know, a few times in my life when it was like, when I threw my hip out or carrying a plant, leaning through a door through, you know, and things like that. But for the most part, it's you, you take care of yourself, you get adjusted if you need to, but like I said, be aware of these things because an injury is an injury and you, you, you know, a, a pill isn't going to fix it. Uh, a homeopathic remedy isn't necessarily going to fix it. it can help. It can help strengthen, you know, um, muscle tissues and things like that, but it's not going to unwind it or put it back in place. And um, so I, I'm so excited the way you describe these things, because it helps people to understand that, oh my goodness, you know, we're, because we are really, um, I don't even know how to, the word I'm looking for, but we're, we're, we're geared in today's medical industry, you know, that you go to the doctor, you either get stitched or you get a broken bone fixed or they throw a pill at you. They don't talk about the whole person. They don't talk about, you know, what's happened to you in the past or muscle memory. Like you said, if you've been out of position for a long time, those muscles want to stay there. And so you can, like you said, have it adjusted or, or you can have it surgically fixed, but that muscle is going to still want to go back and start pulling things back the way they've been for a long time. And I was, one of the things that amazed me the most is when we were at your class and you explained to us abundance. Now, everybody's told that bunions mean you have kidney disease. 
what 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 did you tell us about bunions <laughs> in torsion? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know about torsion in that, but I um, we'd look at people's feet, and if you have a bunion, it's pretty clear that your toes are out of alignment in that your big toe points toward your little toe and your second toe might be longer than your first toe. So that's a genetic anomaly. You go, oh, this is in your family. Who else in your family has this? So when the second toe is longer than the first toe, the center of gravity is off. Instead of being uh, through the third toe, which helps the center of gravity, everybody should be in a gravitational alignment with the planet, the gravitational line goes toward the second toe. So your body has to compensate. It has to twist things around so that your center of gravity, which is now in the second toe, everything has to turn just a little bit to compensate for that. So as it torques that way, that big toe points toward the second toe, the other toes start shifting over time to compensate for that. So the body goes, oh, 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 we got a lot of stress on this big toe. I'm going to throw in some calcium and we're going to uh, make that a little wider on this big toe so that so that your foot is centered. So you have, you know, more bone on this side or even on this side is that side. And your body's just doing what it's supposed to do. Try to help you compensate all the time. It will throw in calcium. And now you start to get that big lump on the side of your big toe, which is that that's what you're referring to. That's right? what I'm referring to. And, and I, I had to laugh yeah. because it does run in families. You can see a whole, a whole family of, especially women, for whatever reason, I don't know. I don't know if it's because I don't know, we're softer or something, but the, Yes. And the, it'll always be the same foot. Like it'll always be the left foot or always yeah. be the right foot that develops that bunion. And there's no kidney disease. It's just a matter of, like you said, that left foot is a little bit torqued in comparison to the right. And so the body does compensate and throws that extra calcium out there. And I, I had to laugh because I was like, oh my gosh, I've seen this my whole life. I've always wondered about it because it, there's no kidney disease, but there is, there's this issue. <laughs> right. And yeah. I'm sure, you know, that came out that the meridian that's there goes to the kidneys. Right. So over time, with that torque, it's going to affect that meridian, which is going to affect that kidney and right. every organ along that meridian. So it's all connected, you know? Exactly. And yes, it is going to affect the kidney possibly down the road, but it's not the cause of the kidney. It's the, it's the body trying to always work with you, work yep. with you, work with what you have compensate compensate and and you say it's so smart <laughs> it's doing it the is best. yeah so we say you know okay if you've got these feet we need to support your arches because your arches are not balanced so we're going to make an orthotic if you have the ability to do that you know to make an orthotic to fit your foot to take the center of gravity and move it back toward the third, but support the rest of your foot so that when you're 60, you're not crippled with right. those feet. You know? and, and then they surgically go in and try to cut out that bone and put a pin in and turn your foot. And then there goes your knee, you know, yeah. <laughs> Next thing, you know, a year later, you got to have a knee surgery because the knee goes out because they fixed the foot. But uh -huh. the body was saying, sorry, I, I, I need that that way. Um, yep. So we want to, we're always working with that center of gravity and 
And, you know, I wanted to say most of the people that, that listen will say, but how can I get an unwinding? I, I don't know anybody. There is no one doing dynamic body balancing. And so if we have, before we finish up, give a recommendation. Uh, if people understand their body knows what it needs to do, it's always trying to fix itself. So you can work with your own body by doing um, a standing unwinding yourself. So if somebody were to like stand up and uh, stand up at a window ledge or a dresser, something high, it's a fireplace mantle, you know, and just hold uh, their hands there, support themselves, balance themselves where their feet are uh, slightly spread under their hips. Their hips are, are balanced under their shoulders. And then they simply soften their knees, not bend them, but just soften them. That takes away the riding reflex. That's that the body's always trying to be straight with gravity because we're on an orbit that's, uh, I mean, a planet that's spinning in an orbit. We want to take away that reflex that's always trying to keep us straight with the planet, even though our body's torqued. And then we close our eyes. That takes away the riding reflex. And as you soften your knees, if it feels like you need to just slide to the right or slide to the left and you just let your body move. It's like stretching, uh, moving. It's a dance with your own body and your body will automatically start unwinding if you allow it to. Just softening your knees takes the tension in the muscles of your legs that are keeping you straight with gravity and just trust that it feels good to move to the right. It feels good to move to the left. And if you've had an injury where you were thrown to the ground really fast, surprisingly, say you were getting ready to sit down in your chair as a kid and somebody pulled the chair out from under you, you went down and hit your tailbone hard. All your muscles tried to grab because the seat's not there when you expect it to be there. That will happen <sighs> while you're standing you will suddenly feel the muscles of your legs give way and you'll fall down on the ground and you go, Oh, I remember when that happened uh -huh. you know, and let your body do that. Don't stop it. Let your body go down. You won't hurt yourself. But if you recreate it, like when I recreated my birth, you'll correct it. And that's the instinctive way of unwinding. And people do it when they stretch and they feel like they've got to, hold their chin and turn their neck, you know, yep. and we as chiropractors go, Oh, don't do that. But they're intuitively releasing the pressure. Right. And uh, the woman that you talked about that was standing up on one toe, torqued around shoulder down, that was her body compensation, trying to keep her straight with gravity. So she would stand up and not fall down. Right. She did what she had to do intuitively. So when you do this standing unwinding, you facilitate your own release as long as you let your body go. Just right. let it do whatever it wants to do. If you're in a state of balance, you'll soften your knees, close your eyes, and you're right there. You're grounded. You're straight up and down. Nothing happens. And you go, well, I must be good today. I don't have any torsion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but people have to understand, it's, you say, well, God, I'm 50 years old. That I mean, how can I undo my birth? It's still in there. Right. Every accident in there. So today it wants to do the skiing accident from when you were 10. And tomorrow it might want to do the fall down the stairs when you were three. You just yeah. never know. What does your body say? This is what I have to do now. Right. Today. 
and let your body do what it needs to do and trust that our bodies are amazing and they will do whatever they can do. The body will compensate. It will keep you straight with gravity until it can't. Well, I can't thank you enough, Dr. Carol. This has been so enlightening and it's even good for me to hear you speak again, because it just, even though I, I do do a lot of cranial work with, um, and myofascial unwinding with, um, my clients and family, <laughs> of course I have so many family yes. members that it keeps me busy too, but, um, it just is so good to hear your stories again. And I, I cannot thank you enough. And I hope that we can have you back again in the very near future, um, because your stories and your antics are so wonderful and we all can't help but learn from you. So, well, thank you. Do you have any parting words? Oh, you, you do have, why don't you just go ahead and tell our listeners uh, some of the places that, um, you, 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 I mean, your website where they can go to find names of people who have taken your classes and about your helpers around the country now that are teaching your classes. Oh yeah. And they're doing wonderful. Um, the website is dynamicbodybalancing.com. And on there, they can click on those dashes that they have and and go to um, facilitators. We don't, you know, we're not practitioners. They facilitate the person to release themselves and help people heal themselves. So it's uh, uh, the dynamic body balancing facilitators. People who have completed the whole 100-hour series are listed on there. And, um, And there's also now on the front page all the different professionals that are teaching my classes since I'm only staying here in Minnesota now. So there's someone on the um, West Coast, Dr. Jen Santos, and there's two in Colorado, Dr. Uh, Alessa Wright and Dr. Beth Lancaster, and one in Texas, Dr. Kristen Hosaka, and uh, a wonderful OT on the East Coast, Susan uh, Tesh, who's, (laughs) she trained with me for the last 25 years, and now she's teaching. She's marvelous. And then I have a massage therapist, Ann Turnquist, up in Wisconsin, who um, is just marvelous. People love her. And um, she's teaching there. And I think that's about it now. Oh, good. Because, yeah, it it was you. I mean, you're such an amazing teacher. And I remember. Yeah. So I'm really glad that you've got other people teaching this this wonderful work because you you were it. I mean, you came up with this. this understanding beyond the chiropractic uh, work. And so, yeah, it's nice that it's, it's getting out there. <laughs> I just helped them. That's all. Uh-huh, you're sweet. All right. I appreciate it so much, Dr. Carol, for, that you've been able to join us again today. And I uh, thank all of our listeners for being a part of this program and may God bless you and yours. Thanks for listening to this episode of homeopathy for mommies radio show. Please visit Sue on her website, homeopathyformommies.com, and join us right here at homeopathyformommiesradio.com, Wednesday, noon Eastern. As always, we pray the Lord blesses you with good health, vitality, strength, and wisdom.